You're listening to a resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. It is our joy to glorify God by treasuring Jesus in the preaching of His Word. We pray this resource will be a tool used to aid in your relationship with Christ in addition to your local church. Blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here today. Are you awake? Good morning, everybody. All right. All right. We got some work to do. Come on, wake up. Um, I want to draw your attention as we begin this morning. If you guys could just pull out this piece of paper that maybe was on your chair um, when you first came. And uh, before we get into the message today, just want to point some things out to you. Uh, you know, we as a church really seeing, uh, seek to equip you. Um, with all of our hearts, we seek to equip you. Uh, that's what we are called to do as a church, as teachers, as, as leaders for you, is just to equip you, uh, primarily those who are members of the body of Christ, the believers in Christ, to uh, be taught the word of God, to understand the word of God, and then to be used by God to go and reach others for Christ. Um, and that's our job is to equip you so that we would help you to see, hey, this is what God says in his word. This is what God says. Live for him. Understand it this way. Follow him this way. Share this way. Keep holding on. Right. That's our job is to is to equip you so that you would learn how to live for him. And so one of the ways in which we do that is uh, is, is to provide resources for you. And I really just want you to be anticipating some resources that are coming your way um, in just a little while uh, so that you can look for them and that you can be uh, edified and uh, by them and God can use them in your life. Um, let me just point these out to you. The first is, is a new uh, short podcast that's coming out called What Does the Bible Say About? And um, and for me, um, this, this is going to be an opportunity for you for like four minutes, four to five minutes on your way to work. Uh, you know, when, it, when you have just four or five minutes to spare, uh, usually most of them will be uh, four minutes and under um, or, or just right above that to see what the Bible says about any particular topic. Um, so you can, if you subscribe to it on your podcast, you'll see just a list of topics. And over the course of time, you could just click them as you want to know what the Bible says about any given topic. And then you just have a few minutes to spare. Listen, this, this, this particular podcast will be purely objective. There will be no subjectivity to it whatsoever. I, I'm not giving my opinion about anything, and it's not going to be exhaustive, right? Because that would take a little bit more time. Um, but it would just be uh, purely some verses, what the scripture says, some headings of what the Bible says about any particular topic. My goal and my hope, what we long to do is draw people back to the word of God. Many of us are uninformed about what it said, and so we've We've kind of made up what we want to think about any particular topic, right? We, our, the goal here is just that you could drive to work and say, you know what? I want to know what the Bible says about this. Okay, I just heard 30 verses. 
right, with some headings about what the Bible says about any particular topic. I'm not interpreting it for you uh, as much as just giving you a heading. And then you can say, oh, now I'm informed. Now, again, it's not meant to be exhaustive, but a launching pad for you to just kind of hear. Many of us maybe feel like some of these truths are too far off, like they're too high above us. We can't get to them. Only only our pastors can, et cetera. They're not. They're not. And so my goal is to just show you where the scriptures come from for any particular topic, and you can then launch from there. Secondly, um, and very similarly, is going to be a series of short books called Quick Basics, and we really want them to be true to their name. We really want them to be quick and basic. And so you're going to find them on the Resource Center, and they're going to literally take you maybe five minutes to read if you wanted to grab them. But over the course of time, hopefully there will be a, uh, just, you know, 50, 60, 70, I mean, just over the course of time, just on any particular topic, again, not meant to be exhaustive, but that you could have a springboard and say, at least if I were to be asked, if I want to know about any subject, at a very bare minimum, I'll have at least a foundation about what the Bible says. And then for the rest of my Christian life, I can build upon, upon that, right? Um, and then thirdly, and I'm excited about this. Many of you guys, I don't know if you know David Grantham, but David Grantham is a member of the, of the field church. And uh, he's just, he's a passionate about po- apologetics. Um, apologetics comes from the, the word apologia, mean, meaning to defend the faith or be prepared to defend the faith. And so when in 1 Peter, it says, always being ready to give an account for the hope that is in you and doing it with gentleness and respect. Well, this is what we want to help you with. No Christian should not be able to answer any question about God and the faith in a very reasonable way about what the scripture says. You should all be equipped to do that. And so apologetics is simply a defending of the faith and not in a, uh, in a, a way that's full of hate or, or anything of that way, sort, but way in which you are competent to explain to someone about the faith and the hope that lies within Jesus Christ. And so we don't want you to feel ill-equipped. Now, David Grantham, uh, he does that often on the on Southeastern's campus. Uh, He he open air preaches and it's wonderful the way in which he speaks to college students, but he's also very proficient. He goes out uh, to California often with with, uh, Ray Comfort and with... um, uh, Kirk Cameron and, and some of those uh, guys who, who know how to do this real well. And it, it's wonderful because he's a member of our church and he travels out there often. And so he's very proficient in this. And so we're going to provide a series of videos called Apologetics 101 that you can uh, be anticipating. There. Once they come out, we'll be on a bi-weekly basis uh, to help you with probably the 10 to 15 most common um, objections to Christianity and then what you can do with those, with those questions. And then lastly, Maybe I'm the most excited about this. I don't know. I probably said that about each, each one of them. Um, but I am very excited about this one too. Uh, our worship team has already come out with and is going to continue to come out with and then even provide in a more, um, uh, I don't know, accessible way through iTunes with an album called Teach Them. Um, and I want to just give them a round of applause for just a moment. Uh, Josh Miller, uh, Taylor Tanner, uh, some other guys, I think Timmy, are involved in, in guiding us and writing scripture, uh, I mean, scri- writing music that comes directly out of scripture just to equip our hearts with the word of God, which is what we need while we're here and then also what we need in our own lives. So if you've um, seen the videos as well as on SoundCloud, um, you can be listening to these already. This is an incredible album. 
And I listen to it by myself. Like, I'm like, I know this is for kids, families and children, but, but I'm like <laughs> listening to it. If you want a little sneak preview, if I could reel you in, Josh raps on one of them, okay? Um, and, and it's good. And you're like, wow, like we didn't know that you had this skill set, okay? So we want you to, to, we want you to go find these. Um, you can find them on, online already right now. But then in addition to that, they'll be doing a live recording. And then in addition to that, uh, providing them in a concise way through, through iTunes. But here's the goal, ready? If you are going somewhere with your family and, and you hop in the vehicle and you're turning these on and your kids are listening to them. And then over the course of time, they're reciting them. You know what they're reciting? The Bible right? And then they're starting to sing the Bible and their hearts are being transformed by the Bible. And so we want you to go, go find this. This is free for you and you can utilize this. And then we're going to provide, um, uh, that even, uh, easier access, uh, as they, the album comes out. So wonderful things for you to be equipped by, um, we got to get going here. Uh, I want to, again, welcome you. I'm so glad you're here. Here's what I want you to understand about today, okay? Stay with me, because my goal here is you as church, as our, as our church, as the flock of God among me, among us, my goal here is to teach you the scriptures, okay? So that, so that you would learn and, and be more faithful to walk with God. And to know God and, and to love God and to make him known. That's the goal here today, okay? That's the goal every week. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm helping you. I want to instruct you in, in his ways. And I want to remind you of something. Um, as you seek to understand and be, your life be set upon and built upon the word of God, as you cling tightly to it and you trust it and live by it by faith, I want to tell you something. Listen, the, you are never standing still as a Christian. You're never standing still. Ever. You're never standing still. The river of, of the world is flowing, is flowing. And if, if you let go, you are going with the river. It's going to take you downstream unless you are stroking upstream. And it's not a hard stroke. It's just a stroke with the word of God. But you will be, you need to stroke upstream with the word of God towards, towards God. If you do not stroke in that way with the word of God, you are not standing still. You are moving with the world. You cannot stand still in this. You're going one direction or the other. It's impossible. This is not a pond. It's not a lake. You, you are in the ever moving river of, of either the world or streaming, swimming upstream towards towards God. And so I don't want you to think that you can stand still in this. You're going one way or the other. And we got we have to fight. It's not by our own strength, it's by the word of God, but we need to fight to go upstream. And so please open your Bibles if you have them and I hope you do to Luke chapter 11 verses 1 through 13. Luke chapter 11 verses 1 through 13. And listen, just for this, as this hour every week that we go through, uh, this, we're, we spend an hour in the word of God, which is healthy for us. Um, an hour can go by easy by you just scrolling through Facebook and you haven't accomplished one thing, right? You know how like, you're like, uh, I just did that for a whole hour, uh, you know, and you're a little bit ashamed of yourself, right? Well, listen, it's one hour for us to look at the word of God, dive in. You, it's going to take perseverance, lock in. Okay, now listen, before we do this, 
Um, I want, before we dive back into the Lord's Prayer, I want to move and, and turn your attention for just a moment to our new TFC family monthly memory verse. Today we begin some new verses that I pray will shape your heart and your affections for God over the course of this month. You don't have to be embarrassed because, um, because you, I'm not going to ask you to recite this because it's the start of a month. That's going to be the best day for, most, for all of us, right? Like, all right, I don't have to recite it. It's the, it's the first day of the month. Not that we call on any of you anyway, but I might. Always be on your toes, okay? This is our third month doing this. I pray that September's memory verse of Acts 1.8, October's memory verse of Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 will have forever shaped your heart and that these verses will continue to shape your heart as you practice them, as you practice them each month with your family, with your friends, in your community group and so forth. Just imagine, church, listen, just imagine the impact of memorizing, meditating upon, living out one or two verses per month for the rest of your life. Just imagine that. Listen, can I tell you in maybe an encouragement? Maybe start writing these down and journaling them. And maybe in 50 years, your kids will open your journal and say, wow, my dad memorized one verse or one or two verses per month for the past 50 years. This is all, all, these are all the verses that are in his heart. Like maybe you should do that. So here's our November verse, ready? Psalm 73, verses 25 through 26. Let's just say them uh, together a couple of times today as it's our first day and let them begin to work. Say them out loud with me, ready? Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Let's say it again. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What sweet words from the psalmist. Listen, I pray that over the course of this month that they would start to become your words. That you would really mean this. Whom have I in heaven but you, God? And the earth has nothing I desire besides you. My heart, my flesh may fail, but God, you are the strength of my heart and my portion, what fills me up forever. I want you to say those words and mean them by the end of this month, okay? So let's look again at the Lord's Prayer. Again, he's teaching us how to pray. Here's what he's doing in this. He's shaping our prayers. In this mini-series, within the larger series through the book of Luke, he's shaping your prayers, church. This is what he's doing. He's teaching you how to pray. And he's loving you. He's loving you by teaching you how to pray. This is how Jesus is loving you. This is what he's doing with his disciples. After they observe him praying, they say, like little children, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Show us how to pray. We want to learn how to pray too. And they watch him. They're learning for him. They want to be like him so bad. They want to be like him. They want to be like Christ. They want to be like Jesus. And they're saying, teach us now. And this is his way of loving them. He's loving them by teaching them. This is one of the ways in which he's loving them, by teaching them. Just like a good, a good shepherd or a good father would love his own children by teaching them, right? The ways in which uh, that are right. John 13, look at this. It says this. When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
He loved them to the end. And Jesus loved his disciples. He loved them to the end. And part of that loving of him, of them, was in the form of teaching them, training them, helping them to be like him, to know him, to be known by him, to make him known. This is what he's doing, especially on this six-month journey to Jerusalem, six, about six months or so, okay? That's where we are in currently right now. Now here, let me tell you this. Okay, Jesus is the long-prophesied Christ to come. He, it would, the prophecy, he's the answer. You see, as long had been prophesied, the Christ, God's Christ, came to earth. Okay, this is what happens. He established Jesus as the one who was prophesied about. God's Christ was going to come, give us hearts of flesh. God was going to put his commandments and spirits in us and then cause us to know him, to be accepted by him and to live by him. That was what was foretold about God's Christ because we couldn't do it on our own by keeping the law. When Jesus came to earth then, the first 32-ish years of his life, by many proofs, he showed that he was indeed God's Christ. That's all from Luke chapter 1 to Luke chapter 9. I'm the Christ. I'm the Christ. I'm God's anointed Christ. I am the long-awaited king. I am the Christ. I'm the Savior. I'm the Messiah. For nine and a half chapters, we saw the same thing over and over and over again, right? And then, as he is established that he is the Christ, he tells the disciples what he must suffer. This Christ is going to have to do something particularly. What is it? He's going to have to be rejected. He's going to have to suffer. He's going to have to die. And then he's going to have to be raised, right? And so that's what he's telling them. Now, if we skip over this middle portion and we just jump over to verse, to chapter 19 of the book of Luke, right? Jesus will arrive in Jerusalem. He will He'll arrive there. He will suffer his fate upon the cross. He will pay for the penalty of our sins before rising again, proving to be God. He will ascend into heaven and he will stay there until the day that he returns, right? So now back to the middle. What's easy, what is he doing here? Because you got to understand from where he was to where he's going, this is about a two-day journey. But he's taking about six to eight months going up and down and all around. He's taking along the scenic route. Why? To train his disciples, to teach them. That's what he's doing in this portion. He is teaching them. So we find ourselves in Luke chapter 11, and Jesus is showing his disciples how to be true disciples along the journey. And in this scene, he's teaching them how to pray how to pray. They're wanting to be like him. They're listening to him. They're saying, teach us to pray. And he's doing so like a gentle shepherd. So listen, as, as with the disciples, as for the disciples, Jesus is doing the same for us in, in Luke's writings. The Lord is teaching us how to pray here. He's shaping our prayers, that our prayers would be God glorifying, that they would be effective, and that they would be pleasing to God. You want your prayers to be effective, God glorifying and pleasing to God. And that's what he's teaching us here. So your hearts should cry out with this structure, with these petitions. You shouldn't just repeat them as, as like mindless phrases. Uh, that's not the goal here. Each phrase should be the essence, the very essence 
of all that you're saying and all that you're doing, these are the categories that are truly important. So today the Lord gives us our next element, okay? Our next element in this skeleton that should make up our prayers. And what is this next element? It is this, give us each day our daily bread. This is what we will be looking at today. This is the next element that Jesus gives us in our prayers. Give us each day our daily bread. Now, we find here, before we read, we find here the first petition in this list that expresses our great need for God, right? This is the first petition that expresses our great need for God. And church, please listen to me before we read. Oh, how you need God. We need him. Whether you live like that or not, today is going to teach us that we need God at every moment. Listen, you need him in the morning. You need him in the morning. When you can't get out of bed, maybe. Maybe when you're so afraid and utterly burdened and overwhelmed. Maybe when you're sad and feel alone, you need him in the morning when you maybe feel fatigued, like your body's failing you. You need him in the morning when you long for the aches and the weight of this life to give way to glory. You need him in the morning when you see maybe little to look forward to in your day, except the same things that you experienced yesterday. You need him in the morning when the pressures that are required of you in parenting, in working, in serving, in relationships, in deadlines, in complexities, in businesses, in preparing, in executing, even in a God-glorifying way is just too much for you to bear. You need him in the morning. Listen, you need him in the morning when you know and you feel that you just can't do it. When, you, when it seems as if all your efforts will fall short and it requires just too much, you, you, got, you have too much on your shoulders. You can't do it and you know it. You need him in the morning. It's too much for your arms to hold. Church, listen to me. You need him in the morning. Church, listen to me. You need him at noon. You need him at noon when you, enact, when you actually encounter the realities of life of this fallen world, when you can't provide for yourself, when you can't make anything happen on your own strength, when you have to endure and entrust yourself to the Lord, you need him at noon to get through the situation, to get through the problem, to get through the meeting, to get through the Bible study, to get through that hard relationship, to get through those conversations. You need him at noon. You need him at noon when your character and when your godliness are required of you, when your leadership is required of you. You need him at noon When your friends and your family, they need you and obedience is required. And then you need them at noon when forgiveness for another is required of you. You need them at noon when humility and patience is required of you and hard work is required of you. Church, you need them at noon. Church, listen, you need them in the evenings. You need them in the evenings when you want to retreat. Because the world doesn't stop and your friends and your family need you. You got to go home and disciple your children. You need him in the evenings to take care of your household or, or to get through the hard relationship with your spouse or to reach your neighbor or to be hospitable to your guests. 
or to have what you, you need provided for you. Listen, you need him in the evenings in church. You wanna know what you need him at night. You need him at night when the sorrows and the sufferings and the sin and the shame overwhelm you. When you cry to the Lord for his word to begin to produce fruit in your life, you so desperately need him. When you look to the next morning, but you only see the same repetitious cycle, when you can't even sleep in peace because the weight of this world outweighs the word of God that you love and that you trust so much, but you can't sleep. You need him at night. Church, listen, you need God at every moment of your day. In the morning, in the, at noon, in the evening, and at night, you are dependent upon God in everything and for everything. That's the reality. And if you're not living that way with that in your mind, you're not living in reality. Every beat of your heart currently right now is being sustained by an active and sovereign God who in the moment he says it's enough beating, it will stop beating and you will be with him if you know him for all of eternity. And even if you don't know him, by his grace, he's giving you time to repent and to trust in his son, Jesus. This is a gracious time and he's still sustaining your heart so that you would come to know him. On this life, you need God for everything. And everywhere in between church, we need God. You see, this prayer and this petition that we're, that we're learning about today exposes our great need for God at every moment of our day. The only one who can provide for us. And I pray that this petition, that you would find it as the cry of your heart and that you would focus Focus on the one, the only one who can provide, and that is God. He's the only one who can provide. The only one who can provide is God for everything that you need at all times. So I pray, church, that together today that you would, you would begin to live like this in constant desperation of your own need for God, which is reality, and that you would pray this way every day of your life. This is what Jesus is getting to. Don't gloss over this one. We need to be people who pray. Give us each day our daily bread. I pray. Let's pray and let's ask God to teach us this. And then let's look at the next element to shape our hearts and our prayers for the short time that we have, have together. And then let's read. Uh, we're going to read the text after we pray so we can better understand it and talk about it. But let's pray. And then we're going to just look at this, this one element today. Okay. Father, we come and we just pray in this way, please. Our Father in heaven. We pray right now, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Cause your name to be seen as holy today. Let your kingdom come among us today. God, I pray that, that your will would be done here in this room as it is in heaven. And God, we pray that you would give us each day our daily bread, that we would learn to pray this. Every day of our lives as we're dependent upon you, we need you in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Lord, Luke 11, one through 13. Here's what it is, ready? Let's read it. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray 
as John taught his disciples to pray. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impotence, he will arise and give him what he needs. I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will himself give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, so good. So far, what we've studied, stay with me. We got to move. The Lord has teach, taught us uh, about true discipleship, and he's taught us three elements that should be in the content and structure of our prayers so far. Just briefly, uh, to recap so far, the Lord has taught us that we should pray prayer seed number one, our father in heaven, our father in heaven to the one Listen, here's what you should do. You should pray to your father, our father in heaven, to the one who cares for all of us, to the one who cares for all who are in Christ. That's who you should pray to, to the one who you should take comfort in because he cares for all of us. You should pray the, the very thing that you claim in this, in your need for him. You, you love to claim it. Our father who cares for all of us, and I know this, you are in heaven and I, we need you, right? You are starting your prayers this way. The one who is committed to answering us and loving us, who has mercy on us, who knows we need his help, who loves to love us, who's strong for us, who's gentle with us, who will answer us, who sees us, who knows us, who loves to love us, who even when we don't see it is helping us, right? You know, like when your kids are asleep and you're doing some things for them and you just love to do those things for them and they'll never know you did it for them, right? And you just are so content with that because you love them. Right? This is what our Father does for us. He sees us. He knows us. He loves us. He's the source of all good things. Psalm 103 says this. Look at this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. And he says it again. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. 1 John 3 says this of you who are in Christ. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. We pray and we cry out our, to our Father in heaven as our first petition, that are, as our first uh, cry, who, who we're praying to. And then as our first petition, we pray for this, that he would cause his name to be hallowed. Hallowed be your name. We want his name to be seen and, and made holy. Listen, because this is what you know you need. And this is what you know the world needs. They need to see God's name as hallowed, revered, holy. Listen, you know that this is the only hope for the world. This is the only safe and good hope for the world. 
that everyone would see who he really is and be in reverence and adoration and respect for him, that everybody on the earth would know his name as God. And then you would pray for that to happen. Can I tell you, listen, church, the mature pray this way. That's what they want more than anything, just for his name to be seen and made holy. He's worthy of it. Do you know that worship is seeing God for all that he is and giving him what he's worth? Seeing God what God is worth, and then giving him what he is worth. The English word worship comes from the older English word, worthship. It means God is all worthy, right? And then Revelation 4 tells us it. Look, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive all glory and honor and power for you. Here's the reason why he is worthy of everything. For, because, here's the reason, He created everything, right? And by his will, everything exists. Who else can say that, right? So to give God what he is worth is everything you are and everything you have. Philippians 3, that's why Paul says this, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus My Lord, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain something of superior value, Christ. Right? So this is what we pray. This is what we pray. Church, can I tell you something? You know if you're a believer in Christ and you think through the word of God, nothing else will last. Nothing else will be satisfying. Nothing else will accomplish anything of eternal value except for people to see his name as holy and set them apart, right? This is it, this is it. This is what all of your other prayers should aim at, right? Is this. Thirdly, similarly, your next petition should be your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, we just want his ways. Listen, I want you to get this. We just want his ways upon the earth. That's it. Simple as that. His reign, his rule upon the earth. That's all. That's all you want as a true disciple. That's all you want. Now listen, he has a universal will and reign and rule. He at no times is not ruling the universe. But primarily, you want people to come under as loyal subjects to his reign and rule through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through his coming, his death, his life, his resurrection, right? He he has bought for himself a treasured possession, a tribe, a tongue, a nation from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And you want people to come under his reign and rule. Listen, can I tell you something? The true disciple prays this way. You want to know why? Because the true disciple wants his will to be done on the earth. Listen, the true disciple longs for his kingdom to come because anything outside of that kingdom is darkness. 
And so the true disciple, he just pleased God, make your kingdom come. I don't want to be outside your kingdom. I don't want anybody to be outside your kingdom. I love your kingdom more than anything, your reign, your rule. It's the safest place we can be. It's the best place we can be. It's good. It's right. It's holy. It's just. I want it. It's eternal. I want your kingdom to come. I want all of us to be under your reign and under your rule. Anywhere outside of that, we're in darkness and we we got wolves around us and it's going to lead the world to destruction. I don't want anything outside of your kingdom. Your kingdom come. You're the good king. If we're outside of the walls of your kingdom, we're in danger. The the true disciple begs God for his kingdom to come. The true disciple feels out of place like an exile and an outcast. He sees the danger of the ones that he loves and he says they're outside the gate. They're going to die. They're going to be destroyed. You gotta want his kingdom. It's the only kingdom that's good and right and full of light. Everything else is cold and dark and will lead to destruction. So you long for the kingdom to come, to be at home and for others to be underneath of it for his strong and good will to defeat every evil, for people to enter into his kingdom through the narrow gate of the gospel. You pray for this so that people would come under his reign and his rule and he can execute his good ways and right ways upon the earth. As we, as his people, are guided by his word. Listen, this is what you want, the perfect heavenly kingdom to come to earth. For all of these, listen, we've memorized, we've read, we've prayed, we've sang these petitions, these words, perhaps countless amount of times. But in the midst of our great familiarity with them, could we have missed the point? This isn't a lullaby or a poem. It is a desperate Countercultural cry for God to glorify his name, to right every wrong, and to rule over the entire world. That's what the Lord's Prayer is. This is how Jesus prayed, and we should pray like this. They are seeds. I call them seeds because they're not just something we repeat or recite. They, are, they should be in the soft and fluffy heart, uh, soil of our hearts. As God's word stirs it every day, all day long, the soil of your heart should remain good, right? In season and out of season. And those prayer seeds should be in there and they should blossom into beautiful prayers that are informed by these prayers, right? So to really understand them, let me encourage you, please go back and listen to the past three weeks. We need, we need this word from our Lord Jesus. The next petition and structure that we have for this time is that the Lord would teach us how to pray desperately from what we need, for what we need for God, from God for our survival every day of our lives. So the prayer seed number four, give us each day our daily bread. Let's look at the text with, look at the text with me, okay? This is what he's teaching us today. Verse three. Very simply, give us each day our daily bread. Ready? Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, give us each day our daily bread. This next petition that we are taught to pray by Jesus is one that looks to God, depends on God every moment, day by day, for every need for your entire life. Jesus is teaching us to be constantly looking to God as the one who must provide if we are to have what we need. 
That's what he's saying here. This prayer says, if this doesn't come by your hand, it ain't coming. Right? At all. If this doesn't come by your hand, it's not coming because everything must come from your hand. And the true disciple recognizes this. How often do we, lead, do we live lives mindless about the fact that everything we have is from God and he's deliberately giving it and we live as if it just has come by chance. Everything must come from his hand and he does and we need you to provide. God, James 1 says this, every gift, every good gift and every perfect gift is where? It's from where? Above. We are constantly dependent upon you, God, today. We are reliant upon you today, God. This is what you should pray in the mornings. I'm reliant upon you today, God. I will only be looking to you today, God, to provide. My constant hope is in you today, God. I'm going to be anticipating everything that I need coming from you today, God. Everything I need at every moment I know comes directly from you, God. Listen, God is not only the source, our Father. He is not only sacred, hallowed be your name. He is not only sovereign, your kingdom come, but he is supplier, the giver of everything that you need to live and be sustained. I mean, you see how these prayers just summarize everything that you could ever pray, right? So at every moment, you know it's coming directly from God and he gets the glory. Why? The giver gets the glory. Why is that the case? Because the giver is the endless one, the one who has endless supply. You, on the other hand, are the recipient always. The giver gets the glory. We're needy. He's the one to able to provide for our need. That's how the world sees him. I must be and only can be and should joyfully always be for the rest of my life a receiver. If you think that doesn't glorify God, you're wrong. You should, with all your heart, cry out to God for what you need because it glorifies God to do that, right? This is you saying, God, I have needs I can't supply on my own. I need you to not turn away from my needs, God. Please, don't dismiss them. I need you as a good father does to provide. You know, in verses 5 through 13 in this same passage, he talks about how, how much a father loves to give good gifts to his children. He's telling us this. I need you to provide out of the abundance of your good and gracious heart. This is a prayer that comes from a person who has come to the end of themselves in the gospel of Jesus Christ, who's responded to the gospel, who humbly puts no confidence in your own flesh, or the strength of your might, or the ability for you to live independently from God's gifts. And it says, I won't be haughty in self-reliance. I will be dependent upon you at every moment. And I won't forget where all of this is coming from. A true disciple who prays like this has, has taken heed to the expression in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17. Look at this. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. What's the purpose? That he, that's a purpose following 
the statement, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. He gives you what you need to show the world how wonderful his, his commitment is to his people. And a true disciple prays like this because they've taken heed to, the, to, to, to what Nebuchadnezzar experienced in Daniel chapter 4. And we don't want to live like this. King Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is not this great Babylon, which I have built with my mighty power and my royal residence and for my glory and majesty. And while the world where the words were still on his mouth, God took everything away. He said this, I'm going to make you eat like grass. I'm going to make you eat grass like an ox. I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. Then you're going to know that the most high rules. And he gives to everyone as he sees fit, right? And if some of you don't say it on your lips like everything has been given, we almost live like this. Can I tell you something, church? Listen, your job, your food, your business, our churches, our clothing, the money we have in our pockets, your bank account, your house is all a gracious gift from God and it must be recognized as that. It must be recognized as that. Listen, it's gracious gift. It's a gracious gift from God. They are gracious gifts from God for his glory, not our own. Jesus is teaching us that each day we should pray in full, full awareness of our dependence upon God as the one who must supply everything that we need. To live aware of this and to live desperate for him to do so, looking to him to provide. You are praying, give us each day our daily bread. Oh, church, how I long for us to be a church who lives like this. Let's pick this apart for just a moment. Okay, look at the verse. The first thing we notice is the word give. You know what that implies? That implies that this is something intentionally done by God. Deliberate. This is, I'm receiving what I need and God is intentionally, deliberately giving it right? This is how we should pray. But can I tell you, oh, how active God is in our lives. This is not like God turned around twice and realized you, something, you know, fell out of your lap. The trap door of heaven opened and somehow like something came and you received it. And he said, oh man, I didn't mean to give that to them. Right? Now there, there's, there's some sin that comes in there and we'll talk about it in a minute, but this doesn't come by chance. Can you imagine if you lived every day of your life understanding that everything you have was given to you by God? He does this intentionally. You're praying, give me, God. Give me, God. Give me, God. Be in, I want your activity in my life. Give me, right? And this is a continuous present tense. You know what that means? Keep on giving, like Jesus is telling you to pray this. He teaches us to pray this, but let me show you what anchors us. He says the next word, give us, us. Now you might pass this over, but please don't pass these, these small words over because you wanna know what this does? It sets our perspective on what he's really doing. Because can I ask you a question? What is something that we corporately, as God's people, true disciples in Jesus have? Every one of us, it must be collective, all of us must have something that is common. What's the only thing that all of us in Christ have in common? That we're in Christ. That's the only thing. That we're on, his, that we're on mission. That we love his word. 
that we seek to know him and to make him known. That's the only thing that all of us have in common. So you know what this picture is? This sets into perspective that we are his people all living for a common purpose in this world to grow in him, to make him known. And as we're doing this, we say, God, provide for us, meaning sustain us while we do this. Would you just please sustain us? This takes away the notion that prayer is for one who is isolating themselves and building their own kingdom and asking God to provide what he or she needs for his own kingdom personally. This brings Christ's people in view. This mentions them collectively with the connotation of mission, seeking him, knowing him, glorifying him. It aligns our hearts and we're saying, God, just please provide for everything that we need as we seek to make you known on the earth. That's what we're saying here. We are looking to you, our Father, and as we seek for your name to be hallowed and we're desperate for your kingdom to come and we're sharing your gospel, just please sustain us as we live for your glory. The true disciple prays this at the very core because life is about this for the true disciple. Listen, every sport, activity, job that you're involved in, it may look domestic, but God has not designed it to be. He has designed it to be for gospel sharing and kingdom advancement and for your sanctification and growth. Listen, none of these are ends, ends into themselves. Do you know, Hebrews 13, 14 says, for we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. First Peter 2 says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles in this world. You're not at home. If you're in Christ, don't settle in. Right? Philippians 1, 20 through 25, I won't read all of it because of time, but here's what Jesus, here's what Paul says, verse 22. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. That's all it means. So would you just sustain me while I'm on, while I'm laboring for your kingdom? That's what's being asked here. So the idea here, listen, is that you, as you're seeking to make the gospel known, he would provide for what you need to survive. That's all you need. And you know, can I just tell you as a church, that's all I care about. I'm like, God, we don't need anything more. Just keep us here for 60 years so we can affect this culture for Christ. I don't care if we have more than we need, if we're living in less than we need, just keep us here. We need to live on mission. And that's what you should pray. Everything else doesn't matter. Now, can I tell you something? I know for those of us who have lived in America, America, it's clear that God has graciously given us well beyond what we simply need, right? But can I tell you something? Listen, that's the grace of God. That is just the grace of God. But I want to also tell you, it has not turned out well. It's not turned out well. We are often the most spiritually dead and apathetic people on the planet. You want to see what real believers look like? Go to a place where it's dangerous to be one. Where you don't become one unless you are one. Because if you do, you might be killed tomorrow. And you have to hide your prayer gathering. 
and you'll fight to come for Sunday. You'll give everything, you'll give the clothes off your back because to suffer for Christ is all that matters in this life. And it's not to cause shame, but to say that they must look at the American church and just say, what are they doing occupying their time with, with things that are not going to matter? It's not turned out well for us. Our stuff has become our God. We live for it. We hoard it. We, we don't live in line of, a, you might say, what, well, what is it for then? Well, it's because we could leverage more than any other nation in the world our resources for the advancement of the kingdom. If we wanted to, we could be the army that sends out the airplanes and the tanks, the spiritual airplanes and the tanks, when the rest of the world might be living with pea shooters. Right? That's, that's, what the, that's the very reason you have anything at all. And God is so gracious to allow us to live in our own world with our own stuff like it's for our own ends. He's giving us time to hear his word and to repent. It oftentimes turns into idols. Give us what we need to be people who are sustained on your mission. Listen, the bread isn't to become an idol. Remember when this, with this picture in Matthew 3 through 4, Matthew 4, 3 through 4, this is what G, the Satan tempted Jesus with. If you're the son of God, command these stones to be loaves of bread. You want to know why? Jesus was hungry. And he says, let me see if you will abandon God's mission for the sake of bread. You know what Jesus says? Man should not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Listen, I need bread because I need to live the next day in order to glorify God. And if he doesn't give me bread and I die, then he's going to glorify his name in a different way. This is the picture here. And this is how our, our, we should live. The bread is not our ultimate source of life. You can have it and you can still be dead. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I'm the one. Do you know when he was crossing the, 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 the lake after he had provided the loaves for the people on the Sermon of the, on the Mount, right? They, he, they were seeking him. And you know what Jesus said to them? You're not seeking me because you saw the miracles, aka you believe in me now through the miracles. You're seeking me because you ate your loaves, the loaves, and, you, and you're full. You just, yeah, you just want what you want and I'm your means of get there. I'm your divine butler. This isn't the way in which Jesus is talking about this. He's saying, seek me because I'm going to be providing your needs as you're dependent upon me so that you can accomplish my mission. Give us this day, each day our daily bread. The next thing Luke says is each day. Matthew says it this way, this day. And they both give us this picture of regular dependence each day. Each day, you know, Matthew six, I'm not going to read all of it. It'll be up on the screen, but he says, therefore, I tell you not to be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, nor of your body, what you're going to put on. Isn't life more than food, the body more than clothing. It's much more. We're in a spiritual battle. It's much more than food and clothing. And then look, jump down to the end. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't, who cares if you have bread for tomorrow? Just pray that you have bread for today. Then tomorrow, pray that you have bread for tomorrow. The day is going to be anxious for itself. That's what he's teaching you. Live like this. Listen. Look at what Proverbs 30 says. Give me neither poverty nor, nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Needful. Lest I be full if you give me too much and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Just give me what I need for right now. 
And, and I don't have time to read it. Um, when I was recording this past Thursday or Friday, I, I, man, I was like, I got through all of this, no problem. Today, yet last service and this service, I'm struggling. So I'm gonna give you some homework. I'm, I'm struggling in the sense of, I don't know where my time has gone, but ex, we got about 10 minutes. Exodus chapter 16, I want you to read this this week. Exodus 16, because by this time, you know what you should be thinking? So, can someone say, does anybody, is anybody thinking this? What are you thinking? The situation with, with what? Manna. Right? The, the disciples are thinking back to this. And they're saying this. Oh, yeah. Like God sustained his people with manna bread from heaven. Day by day, the remaining dependent upon him. Christian, you should turn to God for your provider and portion every day to sustain your life and ministry. And you should think about this. He's saying our daily bread that brings this collective concern again. He's saying this daily bread that brings your idea for need for just today. But he's saying bread. And the, the disciples should instantly think back to the Israelites in in the desert, and the most basic, listen, what's bread? The most basic substance of sustenance that you could live by. He could say anything here. And he says, bread, just what you need to live. But he's drawing the disciples' minds back to the manna account. And you know what they should be saying when they hear this and what you should be saying when you hear this? Okay, here's some lessons that we should learn from this, that he's saying this. The, the, the Israelites on their journey... God promised to provide every day, and he did, even when it looked like he wasn't going to. Okay, we got to learn from that. Secondly, uh, this was on their journey to the promised land where they would be provided for for all of eternity. That was in view. Okay, now listen, you know what that correlates to in the New Testament? What's the promised land? Hey, yeah, we're on our journey to the promised land. This is just the journey in the desert, Right? And we should say, okay, so if we just have bread for today, it's okay. One day we're going to be have a, everything we need, right? Okay, they're, they're also, we should also not grumble because that's what the Israelites did the whole time. They grumbled. We should, we got to trust God. We shouldn't live in anxiety or lack of trust, but instead we should ask for him, ask from him. And you know what that's also doing? It's showing Jesus to be God here because he's saying this, you pray like this. And God will provide. Like this equates him with the one who's got control to do something about it. They're learning a lot here. And although basic church, listen, this is what you should pray. This is what you should pray after our father in heaven. Let your name be hallowed. I just want your kingdom to come. As Matthew 6, says, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, right? Then we pray for what we need to be added to us. Give us each day our daily bread. And can I tell you, the main focus of this is not on your needs, it's on God. Romans 11 says this, I'll just read the end of it, for from him and through him and to him are how many things? To him be the glory forever. Amen. Listen, you can pray for anything in the world that you need and you should. Trusting him for him to provide the things you need. J.I. Packer says this, the prayer of a Christian is not an attempt to force God's hand, but a humble acknowledgement of helplessness and dependence. 
This is what he's teaching us here. And you know what the promise is? Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches, riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. And listen, can I tell you something, last, last thing here? This should also inform your giving. This needs to also inform your giving. I would be remiss to not say this. You know, another piece of homework, 2 Corinthians chapter nine, you know what Paul says there? He says, so sparingly, and reap sparingly. And then he says, you know what God will provide for you when you give regularly and faithfully like that? And you just sow sparingly, reap sparingly, almost recklessly for the kingdom of God to advance. You know what he says? God will provide for you in that very passage, bread. So you just, you just focus on the kingdom. Give towards that. You know what you're gonna eat tonight? Bread. You'll be sustained, Right? Don't worry about giving. Sow bountifully, reap bountifully, and then I will sustain you. He's gonna provide for all of your physical needs to be conformed to his image and to live for him. Listen, I pray that every day for the rest of your life, starting this week, every morning, that you would pray Jesus, give us each day our daily bread and that you would look to him, that you would be reminded that it's coming from him as you seek to simply do his will on the earth. Please don't miss this. Please, please live like this. Please don't let your money and your stuff become your treasure. Use it for the kingdom and pray that he would sustain you while you seek to do his will. That's it. That's it. Let's pray. Father, we come and we just ask you, please, 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 let us be a people who are dependent upon you. Let us be a people who pray this every day. Let us be a people who give our hearts out God, it's Acts chapter two. They just gave everything away to each other so that you, could, you would be known among the nations. Help us, God, to be dependent upon you for your glory. Help us to live faithfully in light of even the, the story of you providing manna from heaven. Let us be people who pray every day of our lives. Give us this day each day, our daily bread. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. We pray that it helps you joyfully make Jesus Christ your treasure.